Minnesota boxing fans, and welcome to another episode of the Minnesota Fight Night Podcast. I'm Brian Johnson, and my co-host is Sean Strauss. Well, in this episode of the podcast, Eric Kinderacker of 1-2 Boxing LLC returns to talk about the return of pro boxing to Canterbury Park and Shakopee and the challenges of matchmaking during the pandemic, among other topics. Eric also offers his take on the big fights of the past week, including the epic battle between Teofimo Lopez and George Cambosis Jr. I hope you enjoy the interview. All right. Well, uh, we're really happy to be joined again by Eric Hinderacker, 1-2 Boxing LLC. And Eric, I think this is your third time on a podcast, and it's always good to, to chat with you and catch up. So um, welcome back. Thanks for, thanks for taking a little time to chat. Yeah, yeah. Third time, uh, different topic each time. So it's been, been fun. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, and of course, we're, uh, we want to talk to you about the uh, big fight card coming up here uh, December 4th uh, at Canterbury, right? That's correct. Yes, yeah, so it's Saturday. Yep. Tell us about that and tell us about your involvement in that card. I, I know you have a, at least one fighter on there, Tony Woods, will be on that card. Um, what can you say about that and what can uh, fans expect to see there? Yeah, so I'm really excited about the card we're doing on Saturday. Um, I think I'll start by saying that Canterbury has not had professional boxing since Corey Rodriguez fought Jamal James. That was the last fight contested at Canterbury. I believe that was in 2012. So it's been almost 10 years. Uh, There's been kickboxing, there's been Muay Thai, there's been MMA, but professional boxing has not made its return. We actually had scheduled April of 2020, a professional boxing show at Canterbury, which was shut down when the commission shut down with with COVID. So we've been waiting now uh, a year and a half to do this show at Canterbury Park. And uh, what's what's going to happen is, as you guys know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, shows and things like that got postponed during the pandemic. We're just going to do a whole weekend. So um, Friday night, there's a jujitsu tournament, a grappling tournament, uh, $5,000 winner take all sponsored by Zebra Athletics and Ignite. Um, and there's going to be a bunch of uh, black belt matches. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of people actually are really excited about that. It's rare you get to see all these like high level jujitsu practitioners come to Minneapolis and, and compete in a tournament. So people are, are excited about that. And then on Saturday, we're doing our, we like to call it annual, but truthfully it doesn't happen every year, our, our double event. So doors open at noon, Muay Thai at one, there are 15 Muay Thai bouts scheduled. Then there'll be a, that'll probably end around 5, 5.30. Uh, we'll make a quick changeover. The new commission, new judges will come in, uh, the boxing commission. And then we've got seven professional boxing matches scheduled uh, to begin around six o'clock on Saturday. So we're going to do 22 fights in one day. Uh, we're going to open the doors at noon, probably close them up around 930 or 10. And uh, I'm really excited about it. So, uh, wow. yeah, it's going to be a, a big extravaganza. So if you're into combat sports, that's the place to be this weekend. Um, for sure. Is it so if you buy a ticket, uh, is that good for the whole day then? Like that is, Saturday? yep. Yep. Both both events are under the same ticket. Uh, starts at $40 for general admission. Uh, there's food and beverages at Canterbury. It's a nice venue. It's at the Expo Center there. So if people haven't been, uh, it's actually a different place than they held um, Jamal versus Corey. 
Uh, mm -hmm. That was in the main rotunda area there. This is in the new Expo Center. Uh, it's a really nice venue, um, and, and we're really looking forward to having the fans back and, and doing mm -hmm. this show. Um, so I guess I'll answer the second part of your question, Brian, which is how I got involved in it. Yeah, I think you got you two know that I've I've occasionally dabbled in taking part in some of the local promotions on and off. Uh, I haven't done many, just three or four over the years, but I've always enjoyed it. And uh, Jeremy Bjornberg and his partners um, have really sort of reorganized what used to be Driller Promotions, which of course did a lot of a lot of boxing back in the day in, in mm. Minneapolis, and they've rebranded as Ignite, and uh, they've been just gotten off the ground with a couple MMA shows, but he talked to me about, you know, Hey, would you want to take on a matchmaker role, partner up as one, two boxing with, with me and do boxing along with Muay Thai. Um, we figure if we're going to, we're going to set the whole thing up and set up the ring and bring in, you know, everything that needs to be brought in to do a show. Why not just run it all day? Uh, so mm -hmm. that's kind of how I got involved in it. And as you guys can imagine, uh, you know, it's a, first time I've been on the matchmaker side, I guess I did one during COVID in uh, Springfield, Missouri, but this is my second time during COVID trying to match a, a fight card. And uh, yeah, it's tough, right? <laughs> you have your normal injuries and things that happen, but now you've got all the additional COVID testing, uh, you know, corners testing positive. And, and of course, Minnesota is a bit of a hotspot right now. So we're trying to just have everybody lay low and be safe. And uh, hopefully we can, we can have a great event on, on Saturday. Yeah, can you expand on that a little bit on some of the challenges of just doing matchmaking in these crazy times we're living in? I know you, you talked at some length about that in our first interview with you on the podcast, and that still, by the way, is ranks as I believe our most played or most listened to podcast ever in the history of our podcast. So, um, so it was it was just a, a fun interview and very uh, insightful. But can you talk about has anything much changed since then or is it still every bit as challenging now to, to put on one of these cards given all the difficulties we're facing with COVID and everything else? Yeah, I think it's still just as challenging. I think there's a, I'll give you my thoughts on it. And hopefully there's some people listening that will be interested in this because <laughs> it'll be a little <laughs> bit of a technical uh, example of yeah. kind of what I think has happened. But for a while, there was a lot of demand uh for fighters that hadn't been able to get fights in the early stages of covid um and there were some fighters that you know hadn't fought for a year or two that were still ready to fight um mm -hmm. and and now we've seen these cards coming back states like new york california florida atlanta has been crazy georgia the georgia commission's having a show like every weekend so you're seeing these shows now this backlog start to unwind and, and now there aren't as many fighters that wanted to fight or are ready to fight that haven't been able to find a fight. So we're a little bit now on the back end of that trend, I would say where right now it's like, Oh man, a, a ton of a high percentage of the fighters in the United States that were ready to, and are could get licensed to fight and wanted to fight have now fought since sort of the pan, the middle of the peak of the pandemic started to subside. Right. I'm not saying it's over, but, but you know, yeah. are back up and running. Fans are back in the stands. Local fighters are getting fights again. Local promoters are doing stuff like we're doing. Um, so that's one piece of it. So that's a little bit challenging at, at this point to find guys. You don't have that whole backlog of guys looking, you know, guys and women looking to fight. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the, the economy is really good. And you can make 20, 30 bucks an hour, um, you know, doing uh, a lot of jobs right now. And there's everywhere's hiring. So we get the additional challenge of guys saying, you know, hey, if I take three days off work, at 25 bucks an hour. And oh, by the way, uh, I don't have to get punched in the face. You know, <laughs> I think I might just stick with my, my day job. So 
for mm. better or worse, uh, matchmaking gets harder when the economy is good and it's mm. easier when the economy is bad and people are, are looking to make money. Uh, mm. A couple guys on the show told me they were looking forward to a nice Christmas bonus. Um, so, you know, the fact that it's in December, there are some people looking to get one more in before the end of the year and, and have a little spending money uh, for their families for Christmas. So that that maybe plays into my favor a little bit as a matchmaker. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of interesting because the dynamics are just always changing. And, uh, you know, so much of it has to do with what the alternatives, the, you know, these these athletes have and, and what what they're giving up to to do it. So. Yeah, it's never easy, but there's some unique challenges right now, I would say, and uh, just mm -hmm. a lot of shows going on. So many guys I reached out to that I've done business with in the past said, yeah, I've got four or five offers on the table right now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, you're getting into, uh, you know, it's tough when you're getting into sort of bidding wars uh, to make fights. Interesting. So the challenges are different back, back then, um, you know, when the pandemic was was first happening uh the challenge was just finding people to to fight right and and now it's like you said a bidding war so yeah yeah it's it's you know the, the challenge was finding people to fight because a lot of people sort of just decided they were going to ride it out nobody thought it was going to last this long right so people kind of mm -hmm. were like gyms were shut down you couldn't really find people because with so many gyms shut down in places like la and chicago mm -hmm. and, and you know the people weren't in shape to fight um, mm -hmm. but yeah, there's been this massive, I guess I'd call it an unwinding of the sort of pent up demand and, you know, mm -hmm. places like Philadelphia and, and Atlanta and, and Las Vegas have been hosting. I mean, you saw it over the last few weeks, there's been cards every weekend and promoters have TV dates to fill and things like that. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but, uh, PBC doing one on Christmas day at the Prudential center in New Jersey. Yeah. And I, I haven't talked to any of those guys at all, but my assumption is, they owe a date to uh, to Fox before the end of the year. So their people are working on Christmas day and they also just worked uh, Thanksgiving uh, for the Fulton uh, Figueroa fight. So, yeah, I mean, definitely there's a lot of different business factors in play here. And one of them is people trying to get TV dates in and, and whatnot before the end of the year. So. Well, and I remember kind of from the management side, you were just, there was a challenge just to keep your fighters busy, right? For yeah part of that yeah, there was really like you know i think kansas and iowa were really the only two states open for business for a while there mm -hmm. sent guys down to hutchinson kansas davenport iowa um sent uh, a california fighter down to tijuana twice i mean we were just whatever commissions were regulating fights we were trying to line something up with but um mm -hmm. most of them are back so i'll give you guys an idea of kind of what we're facing today there's some COVID regulations still in play here, like in Minnesota, but the commission's back open for business. Uh, mm -hmm. Corners have to wear masks, fighters have to be tested. So we're doing, uh, either, or they have to have proof of vaccination. So 14 fighters either have to show proof of vaccination for our seven fights or pass a COVID test. Their corners have to wear masks. We're limited to three corners. Uh, we have to have six feet uh, mm -hmm. and space on each side when they walk out. We have to sanitize the ring between each bout and we have to do some sanitation in the locker rooms. Uh, over the course of the night, of course, with 22 fights and 44 fighters, we're going to have to hire some people to come in and help make sure we're following all the all the rules. But Matt Showalter and uh, the people at the commission, Bobby, have been really great working with us. They know we want to put on an event and they've been trying to help educate us and make sure we're following all the rules and that we can do this uh, the way that the Labor Department needs us to do it to, to help it go forward. So I, Matt's just, uh, you know, been really, really helpful. So I'm, I'm 
happy and it's been great working with those guys. I'm really glad they're back open for business and Hinkley's back open for business now too. We just had a show back there in October. So both of our uh, active commissions are now open for business in Minnesota, which is good for the sport and everybody involved in it. Yeah, and that was a fun show in Hinkley. And then, of course, there's a, another Armory card coming up on the 18th with David Morrell headlining. So a lot of stuff happening now. So Yeah, definitely. Good. A lot of cards, a lot of cards going on. A lot of guys uh, and gals looking to fight. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing so far, we're seeing pretty good early uh, ticket sales for our event uh, coming up on Saturday. So that says good. to me, uh, fans are, are anxious to see more fights. And we're trying to there's quite a few guys actually on our card that are, have been waiting to make their debut since before COVID. Um, so part of why we're doing this, frankly, and why I'm doing it is because uh, there's some, some longtime Minnesota amateurs that uh, we were hoping to turn pro before COVID and they've been mm -hmm. waiting this whole time and, and now they can finally turn pro. So um, just a few of those names, uh, Minnesota top teams, uh, Gavin Hendrickson, who's had about 75 amateur fights in, around the Midwest a name that if you follow amateur boxing in Minnesota, familiar with him, uh, he's got a, a good fight at middleweight. Uh, you got Derry Jones, who was our upper Midwest heavyweight champ a few years back, uh, actually made a little bit of a run at uh, one of the Olympic qualifiers. Uh, mm. I want to say he was like 12 and two as an amateur. Uh, he's living out in San Diego now, but he's coming back. Uh, he's fighting uh, here against a guy from St. Cloud, um, Derek Gottlieb, who does all kinds of combat sports. So that'll be fun. Uh, and then Robbie Lloydy. So uh, Robbie's been around. He's at work gym now, but he's trained at all the different gyms uh, over the years and a uh, long time gym rat. I would say that nicely. Uh, he just loves being in the gym. He's there oftentimes twice a day. And uh, he's sparred with everybody around here who's been involved in boxing over the last five or seven years. Uh, and, and he's finally making his pro debut. So excited for those guys. Uh, I think the fans are definitely, uh, they've, they've definitely got some fans that are going to come out and cheer them on because that's what we've been seeing uh, with the ticket sales. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Hey, Sean, do you want to jump in with anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious actually to talk about this card. I missed the card in Hinkley, um, but I was really looking forward to seeing um, a few of the fighters up there. Um, one in particular we interviewed was uh, Colton. Um, and he was going to be on this card also, um, but unfortunately is suspended. So he's not on the card. Um, and now Marlon, I was super excited. I was trying to line up an interview with him for the podcast and was kind of wondering why I hadn't heard back from him. Then I heard his opponent fell out. Um, another popular fighter that was supposed to be on this card that I was excited to see. Uh, she hadn't fought in a long time was that, uh, Amy hard hands. Um, and I, I'm never good at saying their last name. Yeah, Lemonager. Yep. Lemonager. Yep. Um, from up in the Duluth area. Um, so I'd seen her fight once at the uh, convention center on a Truex undercard. Um, but I was anxious to see her get back, and it looks like she hurt her hand. So that's unfortunate. Hopefully she heals, heals up soon. But I know that you've got some substitutions that you've made last minute. Um, you know, you're talking about the difficulties of matchmaking. I saw that uh, Josh Clark from um Valhalla you know his pops runs uh Valhalla the James yep. Clark uh runs there and now I give a huge shout out to Josh uh not just for his activity recently um but for taking over uh, Strike Fitness and Rogers that's pretty awesome yep definitely. um so now he's the owner there and keeping his uh his fighting career going I believe this is going to be his third fight so yep. um I've yeah, never seen him fight scheduled. live yeah he was actually scheduled Sean uh 
in uh, I think it was really early October and his fight fell through. So he's been kind of, we were looking for, you know, it's not easy to match, as you said, all, you know, you're making me depressed with all the injuries and things that we've encountered with the show. It's still going to be a great show, but like you said, we've had, we've had uh, some commission things that have come up with licensing. We've had some injuries that have come up. Marlon's opponent, unfortunately had a pretty serious situation with a cardiac issue um, mm -hmm. that, that popped up and um, uh, needless to say, we'll need some, some additional clearance in order to get back in the ring, probably a, a procedure to help him out. So uh, yeah, the sports, it, it happens. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a challenge to put, put and keep the show together. I was hoping to have 10 fights because I knew two or three of them would fall out. Figured we'd land around between six and eight fights. It's looking right now, as of this very moment, like we'll have seven fights go off, which is great. Um, Josh stepping in. So we started looking for opponents for Josh Clark. Oh man, back in like September, because as you know, uh, at the, the lower weight classes, like 126, 130, 135, 140, it's very difficult to match make. Uh, if you're down South, you're in Texas, you're in California, you got a little bigger fighter pool. Arizona's loaded with lightweight guys, right? Up here in the Midwest, we don't have many. So we worked, try, try to get Josh a fight. Uh, he wound up getting one in Iowa. Uh, so we thought he was gonna be fighting down there and then that fight fell apart. So they were looking to maybe get back on our card and, um, you know, needless to say with all the gymnastics we've been doing, trying to keep the matchmaking going that, uh, we're happy to find an opponent. We got a guy out of, out of California, uh, another MMA fighter who also boxes, as you guys know, Josh is primarily an MMA fighter, but he boxes as well. He's a good boxer. Um, so he's gonna be taking on Ryan Atterbury from Merced, California, uh, battle MMA guys trying to uh, make some money boxing. So, uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, I think right. there's another guy uh, coming out of that Valhalla gym also. Um, yep. Yep, Dennis Reyes. Dennis Reyes. Yeah, that's yep, correct. So Dennis, I'm looking at the picture here. Yeah, Dennis. Uh, so there's two guys out of Valhalla. Josh Clark, who's the owner's son, Jim, Jim's son, and then Dennis Reyes. Dennis is actually Cuban. He's a Cuban heavyweight. He's good friends with David Morell, who Brian uh, mentioned earlier. They, they boxed together in Cuba. And uh, he's, uh, I think he, he didn't box for quite a while. And then he came to Minnesota and uh, he's now had two fights, one and one. He lost to a pretty good prospect in his first bout. And then he uh, scored a knockout win uh, in his last bout. But Dennis has some skills. He's not a huge heavyweight, but he's got some skills. And he's taken on Cayman Audi, who uh, premiered up at Hinkley in October and uh, got a knockout win over another Valhalla guy, Vinny Downwind. So there's a little bit of a rivalry there. Cayman is trained by Tim Taggart Jr. Um, and Matthew Hatfield and Ryan O'Brien up at the uh, Grand Casino Hinkley. If you guys have been up to that athletic center up there um, that mm -hmm. they have where they've got the beautiful boxing facility, Cayman trains up there. So he made mm -hmm. a huge splash on the scene. He took that fight on a week's notice as a replacement for a guy who fell out and looked really good. So actually I'm, I'm really excited about that fight. I have no idea who's going to win. You've got a, a Cuban with a great amateur background, and then you've got Cayman who comes to knock people out. So uh, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to that one. And, and what about, uh, what can you, what can you tell us about Tony, Tony Woods and uh, who's he fighting up there? And how do you, what do you make of that fight? Yeah, so Tony Woods, he'll be in the main event. He's fighting a guy named Jarvis Williams, mm -hmm. uh, who some Minnesota boxing fans may be familiar with. He fought another one of my fighters, Cruz Stewart, um, in, I want to say it was like February, so maybe about nine months ago. 
Cruz was winning that fight. Jarvis wound up uh, hitting him low intentionally a couple times and taking oh, wow. a, a way out instead of maybe getting beat there. But uh, mm -hmm. he, he since has come back and said, you know, hey, I'm training. Uh, you guys saw what I did against Nikita Ababe, another really big prospect with Matchroom. Uh, he's 8'5", uh, good fighter. And uh, he's out of St. Louis. He said, I, I want to crack at, uh, at Tony Woods. Uh, and I said, well, we'll do that fight. If you'll, if you'll train hard for it, you'll come, you know, you'll, you'll do, we'll do it at 160. And you guys will both have plenty of time to get ready, 12 weeks to get ready. And he was like, let's do it. So uh, mm. if anybody knows Jarvis, Jarvis is very, very tough. He's never been like really stopped, right? I think Cruz, honestly, I think Cruz would have stopped him. That's why I think he, I don't think he was in his best shape for that fight. Cruz was beating him up, but um, I think it's a really good fight. And I think uh, Tony's going to have to box his best bout as a pro to get past a guy like that. Uh, he's got, I think I shared somewhere, I think it was with Jesse Kelly. I told Jesse Kelly, uh, Jarvis's last five opponents are like 44 and four, right? Wow. So he's, he's used to fighting signed major league promotional prospects Mm -hmm. uh, and he's done okay you know he he's uh he's held his own against some of those higher level guys and he's shown that he's really really tough so do you guys know tony's eight no with seven knockouts but mm -hmm. he's gonna have to do something pretty special i think to to knock out jarvis uh on saturday you well, mentioned that the uh the fights are going to be in the new expo center um, at Canterbury. Um, I've never been to Canterbury. I mean, I've, I've kind of said this when we were interviewing Colton a long time ago, I said it kind of a, a shamed because it's such an institution here in Minnesota. So I'm really excited to go just to be at Canterbury, first of all. Um, but I know that they've had a lot of fights there over the years. Um, what can you tell us about the Expo Center? I know you said it's a nice venue. I've seen in the past they've had fights outside obviously with the weather we have right now, I'm hoping that's not outside. Um, and, you know, you mentioned all the COVID <laughs> restrictions uh, that are going to be going on as far as like for the production side and for the fighters and for the corners, is there going to be any restrictions on the attendees? Yep. So um, Canterbury, you're right, has hosted a number of fights over the years. Uh, I saw a Rob Brandt fight there in an amateur fight between horse races back in the day. They used to do a lot of golden gloves boxing uh, between the horse races they run horse races every 30 minutes on a set schedule, right? So they'd always do amateur gold gloves bouts. And I used to love going out there on Thursday nights and watching the fights and the horse races. That was pretty much heaven for me. And nothing's really come close since uh, they quit doing the golden gloves fights out there. But they've done that. They did some pro bouts there. They've done, uh, they've done Muay Thai and MMA. So yeah. Expo Center is outside the main. So there's the main track, the three-level big stadium area where you can watch the racing. The Expo Center is right by the front gate. So that's more of like a exhibition hall slash, you know, little venue center there. I think it holds about 2000 people, um, mm -hmm. good sized, but just a big kind of square convention space. And it's great because we can throw a ring right in the middle. We can set up uh, tables and chairs and VIP seating and there's food. And they serve beer and uh, there's locker rooms and all that kind of stuff. It's really a great venue and we've got good feedback on it. It's really convenient to just pull right in and park in that main Canterbury lot and walk right into the Expo Center. Um, no COVID restrictions for the fans. Um, obviously, feel free to wear a mask or do, do whatever you need to do uh, to, to still come out on Saturday. We don't want anybody to be discouraged and come out. Uh, we won't uh, we'll welcome you no matter how you come, uh, whatever makes you feel comfortable. But um, yeah, it's going to be great. It's, the fights are going to be going on for nine or 10 hours, like I said. So at any given time, I don't know how many people will have there. 
but throughout the course of the day, we're expecting to have, uh, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 people that show up uh, for the event. Oh, that's I saw, awesome. I saw something online. Uh, I think it was maybe from the Valhalla team um, talking about, you know, buying, buying tickets. I, I saw tickets are going well. I mean, they sounds like they sold out their table um, and they were looking at possibly getting another one um, if they had interested people. But one thing I thought I saw, which was interesting, I've seen um, pay-per-view links before, you know, or, you know, stuff like that for, um, for streaming. But I thought it was something like where you, you could click on the fighter you wanted to see or was more specific. And I was like, it, it, you know, can you tell us what's going on there on the streaming side? Yeah. So I think what you're thinking of, Sean, so it's it's Nitro Tickets. So Nitro Tickets, which is our online ticket vendor, allows you to go in and pick, you know, GA, reserved, VIP, ringside or tables. And then you're able to select the fighter that you're supporting. So you can either pick no preference, which is fine if you do that, or you can pick the fighter. And then the fighter gets 20% of the proceeds from that sale. Oh, so, okay. Um, so I misunderstood. Yeah, so I thought it was like you could stream just their fight. I'm like, that's really weird. I'm like, I've never heard of that before. So yeah. you're saying that that just throws them some bucks um, for their ticket sales. For right? ticket sales, yep. Yeah, but we do have a pay-per-view stream. Uh, it's the entire day. So it starts at 1 p.m. and goes till 9 or 10. Uh, we'll have various different commentators stopping in to call the different fights. It's 25 bucks for the whole day. If you can't make it out to Canterbury, uh, 22 fights, it's about a buck a fight. You really can't beat that. And uh, for the seven professional boxing matches, our, our own IBF uh, former champ, uh, always a champ, Caleb Truex, will be calling the boxing matches. So if you can't make oh, it out wow. to Canterbury on Saturday, there's nobody better to listen to talk about boxing than Caleb Truex. So he's going to be calling the fights uh, for boxing. And uh, yeah, I think, but whether you come in person or you watch on the stream, we're trying to put together a high quality product. Sounds That's like it. It to see, uh, you know, Caleb is such a smart boxing guy and I've commented in the past, I think he'd be a, a really good boxing commentator on TV or whatever. So, um, you know, who knows, maybe, uh, maybe he can keep doing this and uh, launch a, launch a new career. Who knows? That's yeah, exciting. I think uh, I, I don't think I'm spilling any juice by saying that he's made it uh, known that he'd like to do that uh, when he's done when he's done fighting. Uh, I know he's had conversations with PBC and, and you know, others about sort of the media landscape. And uh, he's close with several big media personalities in the Twin Cities. Um, many actually many of the big media personalities in the Twin Cities. And uh, certainly one of the things he said to me was I'd love to to call your guys show. Cause I really need the reps. And what he told me that I thought was really interesting was he said, uh, I had all the fighters fill out bios about themselves. And he says, he's going to go watch film, read the bios and, and do it like it's a pay-per-view, you know, like a big time Vegas pay-per-view event and really mm -hmm. try to go through the, the motions and the reps like he would uh, calling a PBC card. So mm -hmm. I, you brought it up. I, I think, yeah, you know, based on what he said to me, I think he's pretty serious about wanting to, to get into broadcasting at some point. And, uh, I know he views this as an opportunity to get on the headset and talk about boxing and do what he's really good at, right? Which is educate yeah. other people about what's happening in the ring. So um, mm. he and I actually did, a, we commentated a fight card together in 2014, but I know over the last seven years, he's done quite a few of them. He's really advanced beyond where he'd probably want to partner up with me on it <laughs> at this point. But, uh, but no, he's a great guy. He knows so much about boxing and uh, yeah. 
can commentate any any show I'm involved with ever. He's uh, the mic is open for him. He's in my opinion, he's the best there is around here when it comes to commentating. I think uh, that that is so cool to have him on doing the commentary. It almost makes me want to buy the stream and listen to it while I'm there live. You know, seriously, uh, or or like if you could record it, you know, because um, I've seen fights like that before, um, old Minnesota fights where uh, Bonsante was doing one. Um, and, you know, stuff like that is so unique and so cool. Like, it's something that's been missing, you know, I think in Minnesota fights. Um, you, you see some streams, but it's maybe just a camera pointed at the ring and you don't have the commentary live. You know, it's it's really cool. Um, and if it was, a, you know, eventually, if you could get like a production where you actually have a camera pointed at him too, like that'd be even better. But even just hearing the audio is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know anything about Caleb, you know that he's going to say what he thinks. <laughs> so he's always professional, but you know, he told me, Hey, if, if, if you guys, if you as the matchmaker, Eric book a bad fight, man, I, you might hear about it from me on the stream. So <laughs> you guys asked about the challenges of matchmaking, you know, sometimes I have to ask myself when I'm thinking about a matchup, like if I do this and it turns out to not be a good fight, what's Caleb going to say about it? Or what's, you know, whoever going to say about it. And, you know, I know uh, when we're asking a guy like him to commentate the fights, I, I hope and try to put together the best fights we can because I don't want anybody sitting there trying to sell the audience on, oh, it looks like this is a great fight if it's a total stinker, right? I think uh, we, we, we think we put together a good card on Saturday and hopefully the commentary will reflect that. Well, and the audience can see through that too. You know, I've thought about some of the I appreciate the boxing commentators who, who call it like it like it is, and you see some of these UFC guys who are paid by the promotion. You think every th- fight you're watching is the thrill in Manila, and it's like, no, you know, come on, you guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's uh, no, I I appreciate what you're saying there that he uh, he will uh, be honest in his assessment of what's going on, and and I'm sure all the fights will be exciting. So. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure you have good material to work with there, but yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I think we got guys who are coming to fight, right? I mean, I think when you do a show like this, you're putting 1500 people or whatever it is in an expo center, you know, it's not, it's not Hinkley. It's not the armory. Um, you know, we don't have sort of the history of doing these shows like they do. We're trying to put a good product on, but when fans come to these, these fights, they want to see action. Uh, you know, nobody wants to see, uh, Guillermo Rigandau run around the ring for, for 12 rounds, right? I think, you know, fans come to these fights uh, wanting to see four and six round action fights. Uh, it's Muay Thai, it's elbows, it's knees, it's boxing, it's knockouts, you know. So we've got a, a, good, a, good, uh, a good mix here. One interesting thing is, so Josh Clark's at 140. He's the lightest guy we've got on our card uh, on this one. We've got two heavyweight bouts. Uh, one I'm really excited about, uh, Dominic Hardy from Chicago against Tommy Matlin from here in Anoka uh, in Minnesota. Uh, two guys who can really throw hands. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think that we might see a big knockout in, in that fight as well as the Cayman versus Dennis fight. So the two heavyweight fights, I think, are coin flip fights with guys who come to, to try to knock their opponent out. When fans see heavyweights, they want to see knockouts. So we're trying to trying to make that happen. And then uh, we've got Derry at, at uh, light heavyweight, uh, Gavin at middleweight. We've got, you know, people like seeing these uh, evenly matched uh, good fights and that's what we're trying to do. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in these seven bouts and then we'll go back and we'll recalibrate. We'll 
hope to do another show. We're, we're trying, we're not going to try to wait another six years to do another show. I will say that. I think we've got <laughs> some ideas for the springtime here uh, to, to do another one in the Metro. I think these guys that, that uh, you know, live in the twin cities and want a box deserve a, a platform to, to showcase uh, what they can do. So we're going to try to give it to them. Great. Yeah. We, um, we were talking about the, you know, the fights that are coming up at the armory um, before the end of the year here. Um, there's also fights on TV, obviously, some, some good ones um, coming up. Um, but we've also got one other local card. We've been talking about Valhalla. So I guess I want to mention that um, I saw their, their ad for it today is seasons beatings. They've always got some pretty fun names for their cards. Um, that one's also on the 18th. So, and that's going to be at the Anoka armory. They just held a show there on the uh, night before Thanksgiving. Um, this one doesn't specifically say boxing on it. It says grappling and striking. So I know they, they kind of mix it up and do something similar to what we're, we're talking about for this Saturday where they typically will mix in mixed martial arts or something and, and boxing. Um, yep. But as far as the, the TV boxing, I know we mentioned it briefly before the, uh, the podcast started recording um, this past weekend, the zone, you know, had on a great fight between Tiafimo Lopez jr. And George Cambosos. Um, what are your thoughts on that war? <laughs> Man, I, I'll be honest. I don't know that I have anything to say that other people haven't already said about it. I think I, I was one of the people that thought Lopez was way too talented because I've seen Cambosos fight a few times. And, you know, I always got the sense that he, he kind of jumps in and out. He's, he's a little bit awkward and he pressures. But, you know, I, I just didn't see him in the same league as a guy like Teofimo Lopez, who before last weekend, I would have said really can do it all. <laughs> I mean, he can do it all from outboxing Lomachenko to sparking out Richard Comey in two rounds. I mean, I mean, there's nothing he, he can't do at lightweight. Um, so to me, that was a shocking, a shocking result. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't see both sides of Lopez's game really seemed lacking to me. He got hit a lot. He got caught obviously in the first round and dropped, um, but also his offensive game just, you know, I know we dropped Cambosis late in the fight, but this is a guy that's been, I mean, I would have said Richard Comey beats Cambosis easily. Right. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I got a lot of respect for Richard Comey. I, I, I thought he was a class above Cambosis. So I, I didn't think this was going to last very long. So, mm -hmm. but with that being said, I'm super excited about it because, you know, you hate seeing fights that always just go the way they look on paper, right? We need these mm -hmm. kind of upsets. We need great fights. Um, it was a great fight. I'm hearing some people say, it could, you know, fight of the year, I think, said this on Facebook, but I think, you know, Fury Wilder three is clearly the fight of the year. You have both guys down. It's yeah. an absolutely epic heavyweight bout and it's a heavyweight bout, right? Where this yeah. is uh, a lightweight bout against a mandatory. So yeah, I think it was a great fight. Um, yeah. I don't think it was fight of the year. I mean, to me, I think maybe upset of the year. Um, and yeah. I don't even know, like I'd have to think about that, you know, um, cause there's been some great fights this past year, but that uh, that 13 to one number kind of jumped out at me, you know, when um, they were talking about it uh, during the fight, I was like, wow, I'm like, that's pretty stacked odds. But as far as being fight of the year, I think you're right. I mean, it's hard to go against heavyweights and Wilder and Fury. Everybody was waiting for that fight. Um, and, and it did not disappoint. That was a great fight, too. Yeah. And there was there just wasn't the same drama. I mean, this was a good fight. It was a close fight. You knew when it got to the cards that people were hoping that Cambosos would get the nod because it appeared 
clear that he'd done enough, but mm-hmm. both fighters were down. Uh, Cambosis was, you know, more hurt, I think, in that, I think it was the 10th round. And for a minute there, I felt like if Lopez poured it on, he might've been able to get the stoppage, but truthfully, there wasn't as much, it was a good fight. Both guys were getting hit, but to me, there wasn't near as much drama as there was in the, the Fury Wilder fight. Um, yeah, it was yeah. a miracle. I thought that Cambosis escaped that round. I mean, it happened early in the round. I think there was over a minute left when he had been knocked down. I thought, here it comes. You know, it's like yeah. if Lopez is going to finish him and just turn mm-hmm. it on, like you said. But surprisingly, uh, Cambosis not only survived the round, but he looked like he rebounded and was doing, you know, very well. Um, it was yeah. pretty yeah, shocking. It was shocking. I think the most shocking thing, too, was when he got dropped, he came out sort of just throwing haymakers. Uh, when he didn't have his legs under him. So part of when I say like when Lopez goes back and watches that fight, he's really going to kick himself because that 10th mm-hmm. round, he had Cambosis out on his feet, throwing wild punches with his chin in his air. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't end the fight. So I think mm-hmm. um, whatever he said after the 10, two, he thought he won 10, two. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how a guy like him thinks in the ring, but I do know that when he goes back and he watches that and he watches that 10th round, he's going to wonder how in the heck he didn't end the fight. Because Cambosis, like you said, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't just hold. He didn't, it wasn't the end of the round. It was early. And he was just wildly trying to trade with Lopez while he was more or less out on his feet and somehow survived that round. And I think Lopez will really regret for a long time that he didn't, uh, didn't land something big there when, when Cambosis was trying to throw. Yep. Well, no matter what happens for Cambosis, the next fight should be money, 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 because holy cow, everyone is calling him out. All the big <laughs> names. It's, you know, he's going to cash out no matter who he fights. It's, you know, he's going to get paid well. I mean, personally, yeah. I think you fight Tank. Um, you can make the most money, I think, whether yeah. or not that fight happens or not. But Ryan Garcia, you know, they all, he's got some, you know, star power too, but I don't think anybody can beat Tank right now for the star power. But um, no, I, I good, good names. I, I think if I think if Joseph Diaz, if Jojo Diaz wins on Saturday, which is a big if, obviously Devin Haney's a really good fighter. I think that's pretty close to a coin flip fight. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, one of my fighters uh, was in camp with Jojo, Rayshon Thomas, who fought up at uh, Hinkley. Oh, yeah. He did forty rounds with uh, after his fight in Hinkley was over. He did forty rounds with uh, with Jojo out in California, um, wow. helping him get ready. And he's going to Vegas uh, this weekend, uh, you know, with Team Team Diaz. Um, I have a ton of respect for Jojo Diaz. I think he's a live, you know, obviously he's a live guy in that fight. I think it's 50, 50. Mm-hmm. If Diaz wins, um, you know, uh, Diaz versus Cambosis makes a lot of sense. I think, uh, doing that on the zone. I think yeah, Cambosis it could be. is I mean, with Peter Kahn, right. And then you got Diaz with MTK and I, they could make that fight happen. Right. So tanks, I think that one, tanks fighting on Sunday too. So you, his potential opponents, two of them have fights this weekend, you know? So, um, yeah. like you said, yeah. you got Devin Haney fighting Joseph Diaz on, on Saturday on DAZN. It's the uh, same time as the fights at uh, Canterbury. But if you got the DAZN app, you can watch it later. Or you can watch it from your chair. Pull exactly. out your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the it's going to be Showtime pay-per-view for Tank Davis fighting Isaac Cruz Gonzalez on Sunday. Um, so, 8 o'clock Minnesota time. Um, so, that should be a good one. Uh, Tank's yeah. always fun to watch. That last knockout via uh, Leo Santa Cruz, man, left uppercut from hell. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. that was a beauty. Yeah, I don't I don't know that anybody's going to pick Tank as their first choice to make money fighting against. Honestly, obviously he sells well. He's done well on pay per view recently, but 
you usually wind up earning your check in those fights. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if he keeps. It isn't going to be free money. Uh, if oh. he, you know, he might go out on the shield, like I was saying, but uh, you know, I think, I think he might make the most, even though he's going to lose the most, <laughs> you know, yeah. you fight yeah. someone like tank, you might, you might lose your career. It might be all over. Well, that's uh, right, what about, only... go ahead, Brian. No, I was just going to say, what about Lomachenko? You know, he looked pretty dang good in his last fight. Is he poised to uh, take over that division again? I mean, he's got a fight, fight coming up too. He's another one that's on the, uh, the list here yeah um, richard comey at madison square garden i think right? yeah so, yep and i told you guys earlier how much i think of richard comey i mean if you take out that lopez performance where lopez was just perfect and knocked him out early um i mean that that guy's not uh not one to mess with so that that's a great fight i think that yeah. you know whoever wins that fight if they wind up fighting cambosis i will say cambosis assigned uh, his manager is peter khan right um Peter Kahn was formerly the head of, of boxing operations for Triller for a short period there, but he does most of his business with top rank. Uh, most of his fighters, he's out of Florida. Most of his fighters fight with top rank. So um, well, that's Loma right there. So I was just going to say, so if, 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 uh, if you just read the tea leaves a little bit, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all. If you see, you know, Cambosis uh, fighting one of the top rank guys. I wouldn't be surprised if he fought him too, if he wants to see if he can do better than Lopez did. You know, yeah, and it's just a big for pride fight. It, yeah, especially if Loma wins, it's a big money fight. You think about, uh, you know, two guys with countries behind them, right? You got Australia. Absolutely. And, so, um, yeah, that's December 11th Ukraine, so. on ESPN Plus, uh, according to Fight Nights here uh, nice. for the Comey Lomachenko fight. So, yeah, we got a lot of good fights coming. I mean, that's just a, a few of them. Uh, there's more. We got Donera mm -hmm. fighting uh, the same day. Um, that's going to be on Showtime. Better BF, man. Love him. He's on the 17th. For those who like the social media stuff, you got Jake Paul fighting Tommy Fury. Oh, you got yeah. all the drama happening there. It sounds <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, that's going to be competing with the Armory and the Valhalla cards, too. I think they're all on the same night, aren't they? Um, yeah, I'm not really worried we're going to miss out on too many uh, too many fans going. We no, stay home and watch say, the Jake Paul card. I would definitely encourage fans to uh, go to the local shows and, uh, you know. Maybe. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I'm always interested in seeing it. It's because uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some good fights on the card. It's not going to just be Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Um, you know, they got to put some good fights on there to sell. Like typically that Amanda Serrano has been on his cards, you know, now that he's helping manager too. So mm -hmm. that's always interesting, but it's pay-per-view. And I mean, why not go to yeah. the armory and then just find out when you get home, you know, like what happened yeah. and watch the fights for free on YouTube or whatever. Um, or the replays. But hey, yeah, we didn't. We didn't talk about the uh, the other great fight on uh, the Figueroa versus Fulton. That was a heck of a fight too. And um, what did you guys make of that? I mean, I there was some. I know Figueroa was complaining about the decision, but I actually thought you know I was okay with Fulton getting the nod there. I thought he landed the cleaner punches and um, really did a nice job of boxing. And um, you know, but that was a heck of a fight too. Yeah, I you actually got... didn't catch that one. You messaged me about that one, Brian, after I posted uh, about the um, the DAZN card with Lopez and stuff. And you were like, turn on Showtime. And mm -hmm. typically I would be watching it immediately because I'd been with my dad. Um, but I chose to stay home that day and mm -hmm. I was watching the DAZN card at home. So I didn't see it, but I did see some of the highlights. Figueroa is always a really tough kid. 
you know, for being billed as like a baby face, I think the guy takes a lot of beatings, you know, um, he can get pretty bruised up. I usually worry about guys like that because they get in so many wars, you know, but Mm -hmm. I I didn't see enough to have a, uh, an opinion, Uh, Eric, I don't know. Did you watch that one? I did. And, you know, you mentioned the style of Brandon Figueroa. If you guys remember his brother, Omar, I think it was Panterita. He went by a great fighter, uh, was always in wars. But I think his career effectively, I think he's fought again a couple of times, but his career effectively ended at like 26. Right. Mm. And, you know, he was kind of a, you know, he was a well-known guy by the time he was 22, 23, kind of like Brandon. And uh, eventually that that flip kind of just switches. Right. And all of a sudden you can't just walk guys down and take each. 200 shots and, and be okay anymore. So like you said, I, man, I respect it, but I kind of, uh, yeah, it makes you hope that uh, maybe he moves his head a little bit more uh, in the future, <laughs> but I, I'm with Brian. I, I, I thought Fulton boxed pretty well. Um, I guess when it comes to the way that Brandon Figueroa fights, I really look at it as how effective is that aggression? Obviously he lands exactly. a ton of punches. You're never going to stop him from landing punches. I felt like Fulton did enough to sort of negate some of what he was doing. Um, you know, it wasn't like he was really breaking him down to the body where he felt like he could go at any minute. And like, you know, I, I think Fulton boxed well the whole time and I have no problem with the decision, but I also understand why Figueroa is sitting there thinking, you know, I landed 200 body punches and nobody gave me any credit for it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Brandon's personality doesn't match his looks, right? He's a tough kid. Um, <laughs> and I, I think they're yeah. going to do that again. Uh, if I had to guess. Um, but yeah, it was a great, it was a great fight and just, um, contrast of styles. It's just, you know, buzzsaw and boxer. And, and Figueroa is fortunate that, uh, Fulton's not a huge puncher, you know, might've, he might've been stopped with some, you know, that's who's taking. I think that's part of it. They've matched him for his style too. Right. Because, um, you think about like, you know, like tank style, right. Or a counter, a big, heavy counter puncher, um, Obviously, they're not as big as those guys, but like you think about him fighting like an in way or like, you know, anybody with with knockout power, Donaire, anybody like that. I, I got to think. Uh, you can't you can't just walk into those guys for 12 rounds, but I mean, he look, nobody thought he was going to get to as big of a level as he got. Nobody thought he was going to be able to fight that way and win world titles or fight guys like cool boy Steph or, you know, so I mean, I guess I shouldn't. I don't think it, anybody but... thought that Donaire would still be fighting at all right now, no, <laughs> let alone no. at the level he's fighting at. He's pretty pretty amazing he's a he's a treasure for sure definitely the last fight of the year that i wanted to mention um that will be you know maybe actually the last fight of the year is going to be the golovkin murata in japan yeah which had been speculated many years ago i know listening to like the three knockdown rule with the steve kim and mario lopez those guys were always talking about how they thought that would be a great payday for triple g to go over there Obviously, we had our Minnesota fighter, Rob Brandt, go over there and have the rematch with Murata after he beat Murata and took the belt um, and then lost in Japan, which is a bummer. Um, But Brandt's a great champ, um, and kudos to him for going over there. Hopefully, he got a good payday and a good experience for going over there. Um, But I'm excited to see Triple G back in the ring, and Murata is a wild card factor because he's getting a little bit older, too. He hasn't been super active. Um, at least not on the, the television, you know, scene. So I haven't seen him out there. Um, but I'm excited for that one. That could be some fireworks. Yeah, you're right. The, the, 
the Triple G Murata belt's almost like a fabled bout at this point, right? Because first you had that, I think it was Murata and Ndam, where there was that like scoring controversy with the draw, I believe it was, right? And then uh, they had to run that back. And then and then you had Rob, you know, it was Murata's introduction to America, right? At the uh, Park Theater there at the MGM uh, Park in, in Vegas. Um, Rob upsets him and then Rob defends against Basin Gurov and then he goes to Japan and then Murata gets his belt back. Um, and what I had basically heard the whole time was since prior to that first Dom fight, I believe it was, this had always been the plan. They felt like they needed somebody like Triple G to come over to Tokyo. Murata um, is absolutely huge in Japan. Like I remember yeah. seeing a stat re- uh, a couple of years ago where it was like, um, television home shares, like what percentage of, of homes watched his fights was higher than the Super Bowl for like three or four of his most recent previous fights. So, I mean, the guy, the guy's bigger than the NFL in Japan, right? A gold medalist in a sport where they don't always have gold medalists and a good looking guy. He's, you know, from what I understand, he's sort of like the golden boy over there, like Oscar De La Hoya was here, uh, but, but a huge, huge star in Japan. And they've been looking to make that triple G uh, Murata fight, uh, and if I had to guess, I'd guess that uh, they paid Rob pretty well to go over there because uh, I think this is the fight that they had in mind the whole time. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, props to Rob for upsetting that apple cart and hopefully picking up a couple paydays there because I think uh, this is the one that they always felt like would, would be a big moneymaker over in Japan. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much uh, Triple G has left in the tank. That'll be a heck of a fight, I think. <laughs> So, yeah, neither guy's young. I mean, Murata's, you know, he, he's, I think he's like 35 as well. So, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting stylistic matchup. Triple G's so technically sound, you know, and people think yeah. he's a big knockout puncher, but he's just, he's, he's really good fighter. And you can't win an Olympic gold medal if you're not a pretty talented fighter in Murata's mm-hmm. own right. So uh, I, I'd like to think that one might not go the distance. I, I think that one's going to be uh I think I think somebody will get stopped in that fight, and it'll be a good fight. I don't know how Triple G would would fare against Canelo uh, for a third time. That that'd be a tough tough ask. I after the we didn't talk about the Canelo Plant fight, but man, uh, you know Canelo is just uh, he he never ceases to amaze me. And now now he's talking about moving up to cruiserweight. That'll be I mean if that happens. Yeah, you know. I kind of hate to see it, right, honestly, because I feel like it, when you talk about guys like Canelo or Floyd Mayweather or Sugar Ray Leonard or whoever it is, you know, even the greats, it's you want to see somebody beat them if they're going to get beat at their weight class. You know, I'd hate to see Canelo go up to 200 pounds and lose against a guy who's six foot five and cut down mm-hmm. from 230. To me, at some point, it's like, well, yeah, there's weight classes for a reason. And sure, it like elevates his legacy to go up you know, you want to see guys go up and wait, but at some point there's a limit. I mean, he doesn't need to be, in yeah. my mind, he doesn't need to be fighting at 200 pounds. He's not a heavyweight. He's talking about heavyweight now. Uh, I, I think it'd be more impressive if he just stayed at 68 and beat everybody for the next eight years or whatever, you know, but yeah. yeah. But I, I yeah, unfortunately, I think that's like a, a, a rampant thing now where, where all these fighters, they want to go and uh, hop, to different divisions and they want to just pick up a belt so then that way they can be multi-division you know champs and you know there's an asterisk next to that because you're not undisputed right um uh, you're not even unified you're just picking up one of you know several straps that are out there which is still impressive it's very impressive 
um, because those guys are still, you know, world caliber fighters, you know, top, top right. tier guys, but, and, and maybe it's not fair to call it cherry picking because those guys are champs and they hold straps, but we know that a lot of these guys pick up vacant belts. Um, and I think that's where some of the eyebrow raising goes. And when you see it's the WBC champ, <laughs> I think there's uh, a little fair criticism, you know, of that just because the WBC gave him a pass on the Clen Buterall thing. Um, and then raised the threshold <laughs> for what was considered to be bad. Um, well, and, and also presented him with what the Mayan belt, the Azteca belt, the right. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. I mean, if you see him after the plant fight, he's literally holding two WBC belts, one over <laughs> each shoulder. So, yeah, it, it's not a surprise to see that his next move was to face the WBC fighter. Yeah, yeah, I think it's to me like when you look at it, like beating the heck out of Billy Joe Saunders and Caleb Plant and Callum Smith and you know, the list goes on and on and on, you know, be, winning those Golovkin fights, however you have the scoring, you're, you know, to me, it's like, at this point, we know he's an all-time great fighter. At least I absolutely. I that. And I mean, to me, uh, he's amazing. Yeah. Hopefully anyone listening to what I was just saying, like did not misunderstand what I'm, my view is on Canelo. I love Canelo. I think he's awesome. I love watching him. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I was a huge triple G fan. I still am. And when that first fight happened, I was cheering for triple G. And I thought Triple G won the first fight. I thought Triple G lost the second fight. And to Brian's point, if they fought a third time, I would have to probably be leaning towards Canelo, especially if he had to move up. If he, you know, now that Canelo mm -hmm. holds all these belts at super middleweight, if Triple G had to move up to face him, I'm going 100% with Canelo. Um, yeah. You have to, yeah. I think, For sure. you know. If well, Canelo the had to lose the weight and go back down, well, now you got a, maybe a little bit more of a fair odds. But I'd probably still be leaning towards Canelo. Yeah, that's a great thing about boxing, Sean and, and Eric. You know, I I also was rooting for Triple G in those fights and wasn't an especially big Canelo fan. But like in boxing, I can watch a fight and, and my guy might lose, but I can I can tip my hat to that opponent and say, you know, I did that after Murata beat Brandt. Murata just he he made the adjustments he needed to do and and he he won the fight and he won impressively and and I'm I'm, I'm I consider myself a fan of Murata now. I don't yeah, do it that. Doesn't always other happen that way. <laughs> when the twins, when the Twins lose to the Yankees, I hate the Yankees right, even more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you no. Know? Yep. No, I I agree, Brian. It does not always happen that way. But I mean, the fight that got me into boxing was that way. It was uh, Lacey versus Calzaghe. I went into that fight cheering for Lacey and Calzaghe whooped him good and I became a Calzaghe fan for life yeah. like I love him you know so it doesn't always happen that way but it can and I think for yeah. the fans I really appreciate good boxing um, it should happen if you see yeah. a great fight and if you see the opponent put on a clinic like you know we've talked about it before like I love uh, Nonito now but when he was fighting Darcini and I was a Darcinian fan and I wanted Nonito to get whooped and mm -hmm. you know but I gotta respect Nonito that was a great fight so yeah that's boxing baby anything can happen yeah, definitely yeah well anyway we've we've taken up a lot of your time eric we don't want to you know keep you too long you've been generous with your time but um yeah absolutely so you're gonna you're gonna be out in uh what is it maple grove tomorrow at three square to see uh truax uh with his new 10 count beer uh, you know i've i've missed the last two uh the last two Caleb uh, sort of brewery open houses they've done, I felt bad about it. So I may try to get out there 
uh, tomorrow. I know that was the last time I saw you. We were up at that uh, liquor yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. We each bought, walked out of there holding a case. A whole, a whole rack. Of, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess, honestly, guys, I, I don't want to jinx anything. It really comes down to how tomorrow goes if everybody gets their medicals in. And we've got a noon deadline on Thursday for all the licensing for the show on Saturday. So I think it really just, it'll come down to come down yeah. to how many people and how many phone calls I have to make tomorrow night to try to try to make sure everything's set. So if, if things are going well, I may be able to get out there, but my guess is I'll probably be stuck making phone calls, trying to make sure everything's uh, everything's in all the COVID tests are, are coming back and all that. Well, if I don't see you, I'll tag you in a photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely see you guys Saturday. I hope. Yeah, I, I know, uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. The last time the fights were up at Hinkley, my back went out. I mean, man, it was brutal. And I was really looking forward to those fights too. And uh, kudos to, to Corey Rapiz. I'm really bummed I missed that. And I haven't, you know, had a chance to speak to him in person or anything like that. Uh, or on, even on really on social media, I haven't reached out to him to thank him. You know, he had gotten the immediate pass for that. And I feel really bad. I wasn't able to be there, but thank you, Brian, for covering that for the podcast. And thanks to Jesse yeah. Kelly for being up there and streaming those fights. So I actually got to see him yeah. from home, even though my back was out, that was great. Well, I'll tell you guys, Corey Rapiz is the world's biggest Michigan fan. Yeah. So he, he and I are good friends. He canceled on me this weekend uh, to fly out. It sounds like to uh, to the Big Ten Championship. He's been waiting for Jim Harbaugh wow. to leave them lead them to the promised land for for years now. So I can't begrudge him of that. But um, yeah, he, he would have been he would have been down here on Saturday were it not uh, for Michigan pulling off the the huge upset over Ohio State. So yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had. <laughs> That's another one, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's in a good mood right now. I'm sure he'll be in a good mood going all the way, probably all the way through into the next Hinkley show with the, the way uh, Michigan football season has, has turned out, especially if they beat Iowa. Well, and uh, we Gopher fans are happy too, getting the ax back, beating Wisconsin. Yep. So kept Wisconsin out of the, out of the, out of the championship game. So yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I'll tell you this, I think, I think we're going to try to have some screens going, uh, Mm-hmm. at the event on Saturday so we can have the Big Ten Championship going. We've got, obviously, we're going to be served, you know, Canterbury serves food and beer, and we'll have all the fights, 22 fights. But not only that, like you said, the zone's going to be streaming. Uh, we'll try to have a screen there so we can have the, the Big Ten game going uh, over by our DJ booth, uh, I think is the plan, if we can pull it off. So, um, yeah, I, I can't say enough. I, I think it's going to be really fun, um, and uh, hopefully everybody will come out. And I, I will mention, plug one more time, guys. If you're interested yeah. in tickets, you can go to Ignite on Facebook. There's a lot of links there. But you go to nitrotickets.com, choose Ignite. Uh, you can buy them online. You can support your favorite fighter through the online tickets, or tickets will be available at the door. Uh, there are just a handful, if there are any left, of reserved uh, and, and uh, table tickets. Um, the way the convention center or the expo center at Canterbury is set up, uh, there will be some GA chairs, but then some sort of standing room all the way around the outer exterior of the expo center so especially if you're looking for premium tickets or you're thinking you might be coming for six seven eight hours on uh on saturday i'd encourage you to pre-buy your tickets and get reserved mm-hmm. seats get table seats so you're comfortable um we think there'll be a good crowd out there and hopefully everybody mm-hmm. will come out and support and uh we can keep doing more shows in the metro yeah well, i'm glad you put in that last plug i was going to ask you to do that uh if you have a favorite fighter there too, can you get a ticket directly from them as well? Or how does that work? You can, uh, you can up until, uh, let's see, weigh-ins are three o'clock on Friday. So if you contact anybody. Uh, uh, yeah. Some of them are selling out. Cause I know I shared from Tony Woods. Um, 
that I think he had a few left, but I, I know they are, they are selling out. Like I mentioned before, the Valhalla guys said that their table sold out. So yeah, I think yeah, the best thing is probably to, I shared the link on my Minbox uh, Facebook page. I've got it pinned on there. Um, Eric obviously has it shared. I'm sure Brian has it, um, mm-hmm. but you don't have to search far. If you search for the uh, Ignite uh, presents Mecca, you know, you'll find it. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you just go to Canterbury, I'm sure you could probably find it on their events page. Yep, it should be on their events page as well with the link to the to Nitro tickets. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we're seeing some good good demand here, and especially if you want premium tickets, order them soon. We don't want uh, mm-hmm. we, don't, we, we put in as many ringside and table tickets as we thought the venue would would allow, so that everyone can still have a good experience. So, uh, we are we are limiting a little bit some of the more VIP tickets just because we want them to be you know really good seats. So, if you want the yeah. premium tickets, order them now, and uh, if you're Looking more for GA, buying at the door is probably going to uh, work out. We should have we should have some GA seats available on Saturday. Nice. Awesome. Well, good luck with that. Uh, we're really looking forward to it, uh, Eric. And and thanks again for joining us. It's always fun to chat. So, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Eric. I just wanted to say on the way out here, guys. Uh, I shared it on Facebook. Also, uh, I saw that Caleb's trainer and Minnesota Boxing Hall of Famer. Uh, Ron likes birthdays today. So if you're listening, Truex or, or Tony Grigelko or Ron Like in that whole camp, but we just want to say happy birthday to Minnesota Boxing Hall of Famer, Ron Like. Yes. Definitely. Definitely Good happy guy. birthday, Ron. A great, yeah. great guy. Uh, been running those ACR gyms for a long time now and has uh, really been a big, big staple of, of keeping young men in the gym and, and uh, training guys over over uh man a, a long time i know ron was a good fighter in his own right but uh you're right now that you mentioned that I, I i remember that uh sean so yeah happy birthday ron for sure i remember a quick story with ron like i was interviewing him for an article i did about the armory and uh i think he's he had an amateur fight there way back when and he, he bumped into rocky marciano was sitting there ringside as a special guest so that's kind of a cool story but yeah, Ron's a good guy. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, awesome, Eric. Thanks again, uh, Brian. Good to be back. Thanks for covering yeah. on the podcast. I've been out the last couple episodes. You're doing a great job, man. Good Looking forward you. to do it again, guys, uh, real soon. And I'll see you on Saturday. See you guys there.